You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So the first training camp day is in the books. I kind of thought it was awesome and uh, want to talk about why. I also had one more parting thought on the whole Mike Daniels situation that I wanted to uh, discuss. However, before we get there, if you wouldn't mind directing your attention to the description of this podcast, you will notice a phone number. I know I've got some messages hanging out there waiting for me. I will be getting to those, but we're a little busy right now. Still, please keep them coming in. If you have any questions or comments, 608-501-0718. Text or call 608-501-0718. As always, if you appreciate the show, the best way you can help is a five-star iTunes review or Stitcher review or whatever kind of review you can leave. The only thing I ask is that you check to make sure that the name of the podcast you're leaving a review for is Packernet Podcast, colon, Green Bay Packers. Under that, it says Overtime Media. The logo says Pack Daddy, powered by Overtime Media. Because I know a lot of people, actually probably most people, don't listen to my podcast on my iTunes podcast thing. So just just check that out first. Otherwise, also in the description, there is a link of links. Click on that. You'll find a link to get some uh, Packernet merchandise, a link to get into the Facebook group, which is another great way to any you know drop any questions or whatever. Also, I just it's just a good group, man. Uh, a couple different links to support the podcast if you so choose. Again, if you're planning on buying a PFF subscription, there is a link there. I had someone use it recently, and he did say thanks for the certain percentage off. I don't think it worked for me, so <laughs> I can't promise it's going to work, but just try it and see what happens. But either way, I get $10 if you sign up. So we're talking big time here. So, I don't know. There's some other things in there. Check it out. Otherwise, let's take a little break, Ski, and uh, let's talk about Mike Daniels one more time. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. 
So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So don't get me wrong. I'm not in any way trying to tell Mike Daniels how to feel about stuff. I mentioned yesterday there's a good chance he's going to want to go to, to a team that's going to be playing the Packers, et cetera, et cetera, because that's how a lot of players are. I know, you know, Brett Favre with the whole, I just wanted to play for anyone that was going to play the Packers thing. He's a competitor. He's a chip on the shoulder kind of guy. You know, maybe he uses it to motivate him, but forget Mike Daniels for a second. This is for maybe a lot of other people who are not Packers fans, who are not Mike Daniels, who want to get all high and mighty about how the Packers handled this situation because they should have cut him, you know, a month or two earlier, despite that being nonsense, and I already addressed that yesterday. One of the biggest of whom was actually retreated, uh, retweeted by Ian Rappaport, uh, was an actual GM in the NFL, which a lot of people called him out in the comments section saying, dude, you did the exact same thing multiple times. I don't know what you're talking about. But he basically said it's never except whatever, right? Here, here's my thought. And again, for the second time now, not telling Mike Daniels how to feel about it, but it's something maybe to consider. Let me just ask this. When a lot of teams passed on Mike Daniels, who, who was it that took a chance on this undersized lineman from Iowa? I'm pretty sure it was Ted Thompson and the Green Bay Packers, was it not? Who was it that stuck by Mike Daniels after the first year when he had basically no impact on the team whatsoever? Just for reference, PFF gave him a 54 overall grade, which is not very good. Who was it that stuck by him? Who was it that helped to develop him into the player that he is, by the way? Not trying to take anything away from Mike Daniels and his abilities and his work ethic, but who was that that believed in him, that drafted him, that developed him, that stood by him? He was drafted in 2012. His breakout year was in 2015. And then after they drafted him, after they believed in him, after they helped to develop him, who was it that paid the man and gave him a four-year, $41 million extension? I feel like that was the Green Bay Packers. So yeah, there's a business side to this. There's a point at which you have so much depth and so much young talent that a you know 30-year-old defensive tackle looking to make about $10 million from the Green Bay Packers gets to be a little bit much. And it's an unfortunate situation for everyone, including the Green Bay Packers. And by the way, since we're talking about doing right by people, there is another side to this coin. After drafting, believing in, and developing, and paying $35.5 million to Mike Daniels before cutting him and allowing him to go play somewhere else for a bunch more money, by cutting him, they're also putting that faith in other young guys. That same belief that they had in Mike Daniels, they're putting in Montrevious Adams and Dean Lowry. That, that same extension they gave to Mike Daniels, they're putting on Dean Lowry. The same belief they had when they drafted Mike Daniels, they're putting in Kingsley Kiki. People want to look at how vicious the Packers are for cutting Mike Daniels. But nobody wants to talk about all the stuff they've done for Mike Daniels that nobody else did. The Browns didn't draft him. The Chiefs didn't draft him. The Patriots didn't draft him. The, the, the Giants didn't give him an extension. The Bears never paid him $35.7 million over the course of his career. 
No, it was the Green Bay Packers that had all that belief in him. And by the way, the easiest thing in the world to do is to pay the man another $10 million because he's such a dominant football player. But you know who that doesn't do right by? It doesn't do right by young guys who have deserved an opportunity like Dean Lowry, like Montrevious Adams. Young guys who are hungry and want just, just want the opportunity to earn a contract like, like Mike... Mike um, why can't I get Mike Williams? Who is Mike Williams? Like Mike Daniels had. They just want an opportunity. And again, the easiest thing in the world to say is, no, I'm going to bury your career. You're never going to get an opportunity to get a contract because I'm just going to pay Mike Daniels as long as he can keep playing. But they didn't do that. Mike Daniels is going to make money because he's already proven he can do it. Montrevious hasn't been given the full opportunity to be able to prove it. Dean Lowry has never lived up to what Mike Daniels has done, but the Packers still believed in him enough to give him an extension. Obviously, Kenny Clark is going to be getting that contract because the Packers believed in and drafted him as well. Another guy that was not, I mean, maybe some people expected it, but that was a pretty big head-scratcher for a lot of people in the first round. What about Tyler Lancaster, who came on strong? There's another guy who, who has a lot of potential that it would be very easy to just bury the guy and say, you know what, we got enough talent. You can just sit on the bench. The Packers want to give these young, talented players the opportunity to be able to have the kinds of lives and careers that Mike Daniels had, and he had that great life and great career thanks to the Green Bay Packers. Yes, there is an ugly side to this. I know it's very hard for him. It's very hard for his wife and all that. But let's not act like the Green Bay Packers are the evil villains in this. The Packers, are the, the primary reason they're cutting Mike Daniels is because they believe in Montrevious and Tyler Lancaster and Fatal Brown and Dean Lowry and Kenny Clark, James Looney. That's a lot of faith to put in these young guys to believe that they can fill the void that Mike Daniels left. And I generally see that as a, a, a good thing. I mean, as, as far as, you know, for, again, we're talking about the morality police here. I see that as a good so I don't know, I, you know, again, I, I think that's the proper context to anyone who wants to say the Packers did Mike Daniels wrong. I think I think we're missing a lot. You should have done it a month earlier. You should go away. Mike Daniels is going to be fine. Don't know where he's going to go. Don't know how much he's going to get. It's pretty, you know, it, it's probably going to be like a one-year contract. But you know what? Mike Daniels is going to... He's going to play hard, he's, he's going to bring all that energy, and he's just going to keep earning, I mean, even if they're just one-year contracts, as long as he can stay healthy, he's just going to keep earning them, because he's just a dominant football player, and he's a hard worker. Again, he's already made it. He's got all the money. He's got the fame, he's got a great career, he's got a great reputation, he's got all that stuff. He's going to be fine. And again, a lot of that has to do with the Green Bay Packers. And I think they deserve a little bit of credit and not just blame for, you know, again, cutting a guy. But anyways, let's um, let's get the second break out of the way right away and uh, talk about training camp. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. First of all, on the uh, the didn't play list, it's it's you know it's not bad. Knock on wood. So far, it's not bad. Uh, Darnell Savage, we know, had his teeth removed, his wisdom teeth taken out, and um, having been through that, it takes a little bit of time. 
it's not super fun, especially the first day. But obviously he's going to be fine. Josh Jackson has a foot injury. I don't exactly know the severity, but he's not on pup, and that's uh, that's pretty big. Mason Crosby has a calf injury, and uh, my understanding, at least from Mason Crosby, is that it's not serious at all. And to be completely honest, um, Mr. Ficken, Frickin' Ficken, didn't have the greatest of days, and I kind of was happy about it. I probably shouldn't be, but w one of my biggest fears is that Ficken does well, you know, in a, in a very small window, he makes a bunch of kicks, and they're like, eh, we don't need to pay Mason. We get rid of Mason, and then we become one of the other 10 teams in the NFL that are just freaking out because they cannot find a kicker. The Vikings have gone through a terrible stretch. The Bears have gone through a terrible... There's so many teams that are out there that are desperate to find kickers that aren't terrible. And I know Crosby isn't as top-notch. I mean, the, the Packers are on the verge of, of being in the Robbie Gold situation. Robbie Gold was a very good kicker. He kind of started to dip a little bit. Bears are like, eh, he's old, he's declining, he's expensive, let's get rid of him. And they've been in an absolute panic ever since because they cannot find a replacement. And if there was any opportunity to give all the money to Robbie Gold to come back, they would do it. I don't want the Packers to be in that situation. It's not that big of a deal. Let Mason play. If Mason is only 85% of what he has been in the past, I don't care because he's not a disaster. And I, when it comes to special teams, I think that's my new standard. Just don't be a disaster. So there's my Mason Crosby rant of the day. No disrespect to Ficken, but I mean, come on, man. What, what do we think he's going to be? I know there's this whole, like, oh, it doesn't matter, just pick up anybody anywhere, because apparently we don't watch football and realize half the NFL is just in an absolute panic because they cannot find a kicker. And we have a very good one, but, you know, whatever. It's, I guess we'll do what we got to do. And then uh, Dexter Williams, I guess, dropped out of practice with an illness. So I don't know. I don't know what that means. But, um, again, considering, you know, again, look around the NFL, the injuries, some of them very serious, the suspensions, all that kind of stuff. Sounds like things are going well. And, and that's just sort of, I, everything just went well. And I, I don't have super big insights, and I'm trying not to get too hung up on, ooh, there was this big touchdown, and so-and-so threw an interception, and, like, individual plays. I don't really care. But big picture type stuff, things we can maybe glean from this. The team is seemingly very energetic, very optimistic, and very healthy. That's all good stuff. I mean, as far as those things go, um, not looking great for Kaiser. Again, I don't super care, right? Aaron Rodgers, last year, the guy threw like four picks a day. It's not indicative of where you're at. However, things like drops for Jamon or interceptions for Kaiser are the kinds of things that need to be avoided. If Aaron Rodgers wants to play fast and loose and, and try to test some things and stress some things, now is the time to do it. And if he throws some interceptions, it's not a big deal. For Kaiser, let's not test things. Let's not throw some crazy... Let's try to work on accuracy. Let's try to work on looking off some defenders, also defenders. Let's try to work on keeping the other... Well, same team in this case, I guess, but keeping the defense from, uh, you know, getting the, their hands on the balls. Not super encouraged with that. But more big picture type stuff, for example, the defense as a whole is playing really well. So one of the hard things about training camp is there's always a good side and a bad side. And you never really know because there's no real... You don't know until the preseason, or in our case, when they go up against the Texans. Because you, you it becomes kind of circular. 
because it's the same team, right? The, the defense gets an interception. Should I be excited that the defense is really good, or should I be upset that the offense is really bad? We don't have a frame of reference because we don't have another team to gauge it against. It's almost like trying to compare eras or whatever. I don't really know because the 1950s team only played against 1950s teams. So yeah, they were dominant, but I can't compare them to a 2019 team because it's it was an... You get what I'm saying. So I'm trying to just get away from that and not worry about it because that in past years that was like my biggest obstacle constantly was every time there was an update it was like, yes, also shoot. And I don't know how to feel about it and I want to sit here and try to figure out how to... Don't worry about it. Just count everything as good. If, if the defense gets an interception, that's a very good thing for the defense. It's also a learning thing for the offense. Just leave it at that. Training camp is about teaching people stuff. And as long as everybody's out there learning, and as long as everybody's out there healthy, and as long as everybody's out there is growing and is motivated and things are progressing, everything's good. Which is why, big picture, day one went really well. But uh, again, big picture, the defense is seemingly a few steps ahead of the offense and that's not just because the defense was kind of winning the day you know they had a a period where I think they did nine attempts on third and goal defense came away with like two interceptions and a bunch of other stuff and they won that competition but just even bigger picture than that if you listen to Aaron Rodgers he even says you know they're they're a little bit ahead of us they've got their second year in the system we're still trying to learn the offense so they're you know a little bit further along than we are that's that's a good thing because if nothing else, it shows that there has been progress from year one to year two. They're not playing like this is their first year in Mike Pettin's defense. They're, they're playing like this is their second year in Mike Pettin's defense. And that sounds self-explanatory, but it's not. You know, when you hear, the, oh, there's going to be growth, it's like, yeah, maybe. It's not always the case that a defense gets better every year because they're more, you know, involved in it. Just like it's not a given that Mitchell Trubisky is going to take a step because it's the second year in Matt Nagy's system. You know, he probably will. But I don't know that. But, you know, to, again, to hear Aaron Rodgers say they're ahead of us, but we'll get caught up is is awesome. That's exactly what you want. And you hope that he does catch up because, again, this all is going to run through Aaron Rodgers in the offense. We need that dominant defense to be able to have hopes of playoffs and Super Bowl and all that. But, um, no, I think, I think things are perfect. It's also obvious, you know, from certain quotes from Aaron Rodgers as well as just watching things, that things are just very different. Right, the tempo is super, super high. Um, one of one of my favorite things is the not just the energy, but the that I guess happiness or enthusiasm. Right, they they've got the music, and Lafleur is just kind of a more high energy kind of person. It, it just felt like in past years with Mike McCarthy, it was very business oriented, and the players kind of reflected Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy always had that scowl on his face, and he was all business, and even during like you know, camp or whatever, there's an occasional smile, but a lot of that scrunch face thing that he would do. And then when he came to the podium, it was just, it was all business. He acted like he was annoyed that people were asking him questions and he, you know, kind of, I, I, I don't know. And then same thing when Aaron Rodgers or whoever else comes to the podium or in the locker room, it, it felt the same way. They reflected their coach, right? This is business. This is serious. You know, the, this, this is a business organization. And, and here's, I was kind of thinking about that. I, I was like, is it a good thing that they're more relaxed and they're having more fun? And apparently Aaron Rodgers was dancing and obviously Jamal Williams was dancing and everybody's dancing and having a good time and playing music and they're playing fast and more people are smiling than I've ever seen. The coach smiles, which is weird. And I started thinking, you know, if you look at Vic Fangio, for example, he's going the exact opposite direction. He's going old school, right? There's no music. They went like almost three hours in practice. 
right? It's, it's, it's hard and it's grueling and it's a lot of rules and it's a lot of structure and it's not a lot of fun and it's, I don't care about your feelings, we're going to do it this way. And I, the more I thought about it, again, it's not really a matter of which one's better. I think sometimes change is necessary. Because any, it, too much of anything can be a bad thing. And I, I think too much time doing one thing can be a bad thing. You get kind of tired of it. You get kind of burned out on it. You know, for example, with the, the having fun kind of stuff. If you come from a system like Mike McCarthy's, or not really a system, but a, a, an environment that's very business and it's very not fun. And I talked about last year how, you know, you just watch the game. Nobody's high-fiving. Nobody's jumping around. And it's hard to do that when you're losing. But even when things are going well, it's, you know, you get a touchdown, you walk to the sideline, you sit down, nobody talks to each other, nobody's high-fiving, nobody's doing anything. Just looked like a, a business meeting where everybody hated everybody. In that situation, it's probably good to have more fun and try to build that kind of environment and, and, and you know, get people closer and, and to just play fast and loose and fun and, and get excited and, and just go out and tear it up. Now, that can get too far where you lose structure and you lose, you know, all these kinds of things. And, and maybe there's going to be a time where a team like that or whatever, you start to need a Vic Fangio. You start to need a Bill Belichick where it's, you know, it's keep your mouth shut and do what you're told or you're out of here. You don't need music. You need to do what you're told. You need to stop making mistakes. And I think this is the right thing for the Packers because it's it's good to see. It's nice to see the. I mean, even the 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 you know from Aaron Rodgers. You know, it's it's been understandable, but also frustrating because you want Aaron Rodgers to be happy. You know, when when he's smiling. When he's, that, that that I've mentioned before. There was an indicator with with Brett Favre. You knew he was going to do well when he got mad. Aaron Rodgers, I feel, is the opposite. You know he's going well when he's smiling. When you see him crack a smile, it's like, oh, you guys are done. It's game over. I know he's like a big chip on the shoulder guy, but when he's optimistic, right, run the table, all that stuff, when he's positive, that's reflected in this team. That's the indicator for the Packers. So making him happy and excited and motivated and giving him belief in the team is very important. And it's good to see him. You know, again, he was apparently dancing. I didn't see any video, and I don't think I want to see video of it. You look at his interview with, with James Jones, and, you know, that's always a little bit more fun, but it, it seemed even more, right? He's, he's kind of, rather than just kind of, I don't know, the, the last time I saw him do an interview with him on the field, it was kind of, I don't know, it, it was fun, but it was kind of awkward, and he was serious and everything. This was, he just looked like he was having a great time. I mean, it, it felt genuine. It really feels like guys are, are more relaxed. It feels like guys are having fun. It feels like guys are more optimistic. They believe, you know, nobody, especially Devontae, I mean, he, he doesn't hide it. He doesn't hold back. You know, he's, he's pipe, hyping up all the other players. You know, he, he even went on when he was talking to James Jones after training camp yesterday and, and talking about what I was talking about. If you look at some of the guys in this system and how they exploded, how they've done so well. I mean, he's excited for himself. He believes he's going to be one of the top after this year. He believes in the system. He believes in the scheme. He believes in, in Aaron Rodgers. And all, I mean, he's just... It's all very, very good. And again, this is the kind of stuff I care much more about than, you know, this undrafted free agent got a pick. He's going to be a freak. You better watch out. He's the, whatever. No, probably not. I, you know, again, no disrespect, but am I really supposed to be super excited about Teo Redding? Like, that's the big takeaway is that he's going to, are we going to win a Super Bowl because Teo Redding is really fast and he caught a pass in training camp that was a touchdown? That, that, to me, is when things get goofy. I hope he's able to contribute, whether it's special teams or as a you know wide receiver for the Packers, as a weapon to be able to be utilized in certain situations or whatever. That would be great. But big picture, I don't care. 
Now, do I care that people are saying Rashawn Gary looks like a freak? Yeah, a little bit. Because the success of the team matters a lot more if Rashawn Gary is good compared to Teo Redding. It matters if, if Aaron Rodgers is healthy and happy a lot more. And I'll, I'll say somebody else because I don't want to keep picking on the guy. I'm sure he's very talented. How about Kabion Ento? I think he had a touchdown. I'm not, none of them, I don't know. Um, some other things that I thought were cool was was you can already kind of see little wrinkles of LaFleur in the system. One of the things that I thought was cool that I saw a video of um, was a drill they were doing where Aaron Rodgers takes the ball, he hands it off, and then somebody snaps him a second ball, he catches it and throws it. Now the commentators were talking about how that's kind of cool because you're getting in as much as you possibly can in terms of reps, which is true, and that's awesome. You, you know, it, it's one of the things where you hear about how they're going to be practicing running the ball a lot more. Well, the problem with that is you're taking snaps away from throwing the ball. Well, not if you're doing both in one in one play. But it's also kind of cool from a, you know, play action or read option kind of situation where, you know, maybe you hand it off, maybe you throw the ball. But to be able to practice both the handoff and, you know, kind of really selling the handoff and then turning and, you know, practicing that whole thing where you're not paying attention, you know, getting a lot of reps of turning your back to the defense, something supposedly Aaron Rodgers hates, and then, you know, getting your eyes downfield, finding your target and throwing the ball. I have a feeling he's going to need to practice that a lot. There were also little little blips and it's this is one of the hardest times of the year by the way for me because there's so much information and trying to process it all and and have it come out in the form of something comprehensive which is probably going to break down in a little bit when I just start going through notes that I took. But there's so much coming from so many different people, and you know, there's so many different drills going on. You get one blip from one guy on Twitter, and then another blip from somebody else. But you start hearing about stuff like Marquez going in motion, and then they hand off going the other direction, or, or what, what? just little things like that. Like, technically the play was a handoff. However, here's kind of how it was set up. There was this, and this, and this, and this. It's, again, just the little wrinkles that it's like, that would not have really been a thing in uh, Mike McCarthy's training camp. And the, the not just the, the tempo, but apparently the, the lack of breaks. So again, it's just, it's just the energy, right? It's, it's a lot of young guys. It's a lot of energy. It's let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's do two drills at once. Let's, let's keep going. You don't need a break. Let's go. Whereas Mike, it, it, I don't know. It just, it, if you listen to James Jones too, what, what is the one thing he always says is we always just kind of lined up and you know, there wasn't really... <laughs> Jeez Louise, he even said something to the effect of, and I, I swear I'm not taking this out of context, I may have to go back and listen to it again, but I heard him say they didn't didn't really game plan, they just went out and lied, and I'm sure there was some kind of a game plan, I, there has to have been, but they just basically went out and lined up because, you know, we're better than you and we're just going to run a play. It just kind of felt like, you know, training camp and practice was, you guys know what to do, We've done this before. We're going to just kind of loosen up, practice throwing and practice accuracy and practice our footwork and practice our fundamentals. And we'll kind of do a little bit of that and then we'll we'll move on. And there was the, the practices were, you know, hour and a half, lots of breaks, kind of, you know, we'll do this install and then we'll do a little bit of this. And LaFleur's like, dude, let's go. Everybody run. Everybody do stuff. Like there's no time to waste. We got so, And that's awesome because, again, the NFL product in general is garbage. Why? Because there's no time. I don't understand the mentality, and good for Vic Fangio for doing three-hour practices, by the way, because there's no time, especially for a first-year head coach. you got to learn a new... We don't have time for nonsense. we got to do as much as we possibly can every day. And if that means I have a limited window of how much time we have to practice, that means we got to get more stuff done in that practice. 
Um, something else that was very cool, one of one of the, I think the first play of camp was a pass from Aaron Rodgers to Vitaly, and, and apparently he was everywhere. They were using him a lot. And that's exciting because it, it is a question, right? We know that in this scheme, Vitaly's one of those guys that kind of stands out. But I don't know, first of all, is LaFleur going to kind of want him to be that guy? Because again, you can utilize tight ends in that way. And we've got Mercedes Lewis, who's a good blocker and can kind of play that H-back role. Um, you know, Jimmy Graham's a good receiver. Jace, you know, you could do, if you want to do two running backs, it could be, you know, Dexter and Aaron Jones. It could be Jamal and Aaron Jones, Dexter and Jamal. You know, I, I don't know how high of a priority Danny Vitale is because I know on the other side of the spectrum, Lafleur might be looking at Vitale and just salivating like crazy. Like, this is the guy I've always wanted. This is, this is it. This is, this is huge. And I don't really know where that falls. Right? I've talked about him before where, you know, it's, my my general thought on him is let's pump the brakes a little bit. You know, I, I don't really know for sure that I'm going to put that much faith in Danny Vitale because he's a fullback and because he hasn't really proven all that much. But at the same time, the measurables and everything else, and, the, you know, again, you go back and look at his college film, he's basically just a wide receiver. But then you look at his pro football focus scores in the pros, and he's a fantastic pass blocker, and you marry that together where you have a fullback who's a great blocker and a really good receiver and has unbelievable athletic measurables, I could definitely see a possibility where Lafleur draws up an offense that has Danny Vitale utilized a lot. But I didn't know where it was going to fall. So when you hear that they're utilizing him a lot in practice, and the very first play was a pass to Danny Vitale. Gets you a little bit excited. Also, by the way, another little note just popped into my head. Lots and lots and lots. Thank you, thank you. Lots and lots of checkdowns, right? Quick passes, checkdowns. Again, Danny Vitale in the flat, this, that, whatever. That's exciting. It sounds weird that that's exciting, but part of the buy-in for Aaron Rodgers is going to have to be getting away from what he and Mike McCarthy believed was one of the most important things, and that is just launching the ball down the field all the time. And I, I think but everybody wants to do that, and, and Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers are not wrong saying that's how you win. That's, that's very important. If you look at the correlation between good offenses and winning and, and big plays, there's a pretty high correlation. So what the problem is they went about it wrong. Like, we need a big play. Okay, fine. Everybody run really far down the field. Aaron Rodgers throw a perfect pass to a guy that's probably covered, and then, you know, that'll be our big play. Matt LaFleur comes in and is like, hey, I got an idea. How about we do a bunch of little plays? We run the ball a lot. We dump the ball off. We draw the defense up, and then we throw it over their heads. As we run a play that looks like, again, we're either running the ball or dumping it off short, except we've got this little wrinkle where instead of the guy runs a little hook or a little curl, he's going to, you know, do a little hitch and go. So we, we, again, we use our mind a little bit as opposed to just coming in and Mike McCarthy was the butter bean of offenses. How about that? There was nothing pretty about his offense. There was nothing even necessarily intellectual. It was just, I'm bigger and stronger, and I can take a punch, and I'm just going to sit here and swing until you fall down and don't wake up. And that's cool, but, you know, in 2018, it was basically the 75-year-old arthritic version of Butterbean who can't really throw a hook anymore. I don't think that's the... I think Butterbean will still... Dis if, he, if by some miracle he's listening to this, I'm not saying he's arthritic and can't throw a punch, because I promise you the dude could probably backhand me and knock me out into a coma. It's just an analogy that went awry, all right? I completely lost control of it. <laughs> but no, again, it's it's the buy-in, because there's all this, you know, and I know it's nonsense, but 
he needs to believe in it. That is true. And there is an op- there is an opportunity and a possibility that this relationship falls apart, and that happens if the offense isn't working and if the team isn't winning. That's not going to happen week one, but if it happens over a prolonged period of time, you know, it's in, in how much buy-in is going to be determined by or, or how long they can lose or not be successful is going to be determined by how much buy-in there is and belief that, you know what, this does work. And again, he, he hated checkdowns last year. So hearing that he's doing that a lot in practice is, again, it seems like a small nugget, but I think that's really important, and I want to see more of that. Because that's what teams are doing. Look, Matt Nagy with the Bears offense. That, that offense was the, better than the Packers offense. How? They don't have as good a wide receivers. They don't have as good a quarterback. They don't have as good an offensive line. They don't have as good a running back. How? Because it's Mike McCarthy's offense versus Matt Nagy's offense. How does Mitchell Trubisky have better you know stats some categories than Aaron Rodgers because he's throwing little dink and dunks to guys that make plays after the after the catch with an occasional you know rocket down the field um, you know after doing 17 plays within five yards of the line of scrimmage because that's what works that's what the Rams do that's what the 49ers do that's what the Eagles do that's what the Chiefs do that's what the Bears do it's what teams that succeed do it's what the Patriots do right every all those little mocking videos of of uh of Tom Brady. What is it? He threw a three-yard pass to a wide-open receiver who ran for another 10 yards. Wow, you're so good, Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun to make fun of them, but I feel like they kind of don't care because they win the Super Bowl every year. How about we do that? How about we take Aaron Rodgers and make him a joke? Like, wow, cool five-yard accurate pass, dude. Guess who's not going to care? Me. He's still going to have a couple circus play, but it doesn't have to be a circus pass every single play. How about we do that a couple times a game? And we'll, we'll, we'll give him an opportunity to actually throw to a, a receiver that's got a couple steps on somebody because we're throwing the simple little passes for a long time and a bunch of run plays and a bunch of crazy stuff all over the place. And, and Aaron Rodgers, rather than every play being some kind of crazy, like on the run, launch across his body to a guy that's double covered and somehow the guy catches it and that's how we win the game how about we get away from that a little bit how about we work on being efficient right you know on first down can we get five or six yards on second down can we get another four and then if it's if we if we end up being in third and short can we just focus on getting that yard or two maybe even shoot for three maybe we'll overshoot it by a couple yards i don't know and i don't care Let's just try to play a little smart. But again, everything is awesome because everything that you would want, everything every Packers fan would want, I have to assume it was here. I don't, I don't know what else you're missing, right? You, you've got the crazy motion type stuff. You've got Danny Vitale. You've got uh, a happy team. You've got an optimistic team. You've got a, a quarterback and a, a co- head coach that are in sync. You've got high energy. You've got long practices. You've got you know short breaks where there's lots and lots of practice coming in. You've got basically zero injuries, basically zero suspensions. You don't have, you know, Aaron Jones is going to be out for four games. You don't have a hamstring here and a knee here and this here. Everybody's okay. Kevin King was on the field and playing with the ones, ready to go, rip-roaring and ready. Aaron Jones, guess who has a healthy knee? That guy. Healthy everything. Everybody has a healthy everything with the exception of Josh Jackson's foot, Mason Crosby's calf, which is basically fine, but they just don't want to stress it, which is smart because I intend to watch him play in December. Darnell Savage, who should be on the field as early as, oh, I don't know, maybe today. And, and, you know, we'll see. I, I 
by tomorrow there might be you know five people that aren't playing. These these things are going to build, and there's going to be those injuries. But I'm just saying, as far as day one, how could it have gone any better? I don't have an answer to that. Um, lastly, I kind of want to talk about the roster construction. And I'm going to be going off the top of my head, so I apologize if I get this wrong, but I have 70,000 notes, and I don't want to, I'm out of time, so i got to kind of wing it here. From memory, um, interesting uh, offensive starter situation. It's kind of as expected. However, Elton Jenkins is still a backup. It was, you know, that, that's how it was going into this anyways, where it was Bakhtiari, Lane Taylor, Corey Lindsley, Billy Turner, and Brian Balaga. But there is a bit of a question about Elton Jenkins. And, and, and listen, I'm not upset with this. If Billy Turner can be a, a giant upgrade at right guard, I'm okay with this. I know I haven't been the biggest supporter of Lane Taylor, but he's fine. I think he's a bit overrated by Packers fans, but I don't dislike Lane Taylor. I'm not going to throw a fit or, or organize a protest or storm Area 51 kind of event because Lane Taylor is a starter. And if that means we've got Elton Jenkins as a backup, we're getting back to that situation to where we used to have not only a great starting offensive line, but we've got depth, actual depth. The other thing that's interesting is Cole Madison was not even with the twos. Something else to keep in mind, because again, he's been super hyped up, and I've kind of been trying to back us off that a little bit. Like, we got to ease him in a little bit. There's no guarantees. He was a pretty late-round pick. He had a year off, which you know some people alluded to. Maybe that being a benefit. I don't know, maybe. But at this point in time, as much potential as he has, because he's a very athletic guy, which is going to work out to his advantage. He's going to have to work his way in, because I believe he would be third string at this point. Again, going off the top of my head, but that was my recollection, unless the thing that I read was incorrect. Um, they listed out the starters and the second string, and Cole Madison was not listed in either of those two groups. Does not mean he's not going to make the team or anything. It's just day one. Coaches have to watch players and see how they develop, and, and by the time... For all I know, that this, by the end of the season, it's going to be Elton Jenkins and Cole Madison as starting guards in, in, for the Packers. I don't know. Just saying for now, that's the construction. Going into it, the, the coaches are saying Cole Madison is not even a number two. So that needs to be our starting frame of reference. Otherwise, everything's kind of up in the air. Um, I think the, the starting wide receiver spot opposite Devontae Adams is still relatively up in the air between Geronimo and... Um, and uh, Marquez, but apparently the the Matt Lafleur had mentioned how he really wants to make sure all the wide receivers get a little bit of time with Aaron Rodgers. So he there, there was uh, Equinemius ran with the ones, Kumaro was with the ones, Trevor Davis was with the ones. Um, trying to remember who else. A lot of people had at least a little bit of time with the ones. So it's going to be a fun competition because a lot of people are going to be given legitimate opportunities. Maybe not even so much again because. We want them to get the, it's not so much for competition to be a starting wide receiver, but, you know, again, we want to make sure you have rapport with Aaron Rodgers because that's super important. But in doing that, they are getting a chance to actually compete for that job opposite Devontae. So that's that's a cool little, little thing. Um, tight end, Jimmy Graham seems to be number one. Not super surprising. Again, it doesn't mean a whole lot. I, I think with, with Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis, it, you can't really even look at it as one or two. They're very different types of tight ends, and they're going to be used very differently. It's not a matter of Jimmy Graham's better than Mercedes. It's just we've got two different tight ends. We'll see what they can do and how we can utilize them, and if, if we can utilize them in a way that's going to help benefit our team, then that's what we're going to do. Uh, Jace is the one guy that you got to look at in terms of where he stands with the team. Um, obviously he's going to be, I shouldn't say obviously, he's he's either number three, possibly number four behind Tanyan. But because he's a rookie, 
you always start at the bottom and you got to work your way up. That's just how this works. I mean, not always, but when you've got Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, and veteran Robert Tanyan on the team, you know, you got to work for it. Um, defense, the defensive line was Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark, and Montrevious Adams to start. Preston and Zadarius were the outside linebackers, and then Oren Burks and Blake Martinez were the uh, linebackers. Uh, the defensive backs, I believe, were Jair Alexander and Kevin King. Now, we don't exactly know how this is going to go, but what we do know, we know Jair is number one. The, the question is, if Josh Jackson comes in, where does he stand? I'm, I'm thinking Kevin King still stays number two. And then they say well, in nickel situations, Tremont would come in. I don't know who went into the slot, if it was Jair or what. But uh, that would that would so we know it's Jair, then Kevin King, then Tremont. The question is where does Josh Jackson slot into that? Hopefully we'll find out today. And then uh, at safety it was Raven Green and Adrian Amos. We obviously know the construction of that. That's going to be Savage and Amos with Raven Green being number three. Josh Jones was given an opportunity to play because Savage was out, and 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 that was kind of a cool development to it. You know it. It doesn't sound like there's super bad blood. Sometimes this stuff can get ugly. Um, but it sounds like Josh Jones just said, look, I'd, I'd like to get a trade, and the Packers heard him and understood it, and they're working on what they got to work on. But in the, in the meantime, Josh Jones is doing the right thing because he needs he needs to practice. So he's going to go out, he's going to compete, he's going to try to show that he can hang in there, and if he ends up getting traded, he wants to make sure he's in peak physical condition and gets as much training. I mean, he, he's being given an opportunity to get training from the Green Bay Packers coaches right now. So he's getting reps, he's getting training, and I, you know, I, I want him on the team. I really do. I, I think he's a, a breakout candidate. Not that I would put a lot of money on it, but he's going into his third year. He's got all the athleticism you could need. I think he's in a real good opportunity, much better than he ever has been with the, the level of talent at the along the defensive line, um, the, the, the talent surrounding him with the safeties and the corners. You know, If everybody else is really doing their job, it's going to help him to be able to do what he does best, which is just kind of turn the brain off a little bit and just play fast. But, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. I, I do expect it to be, you know, again, it's not a one and two thing. It's it's Savage and Amos are the ones. Raven Green is the three. I, I mentioned yesterday, I think, how uh, Mark Murphy, maybe it was Gutekunst, but I think it was Mark Murphy, talked about, talked very highly of Raven Green. So um, I, I, I kind of feel like he's one of those guys that's going to prove me wrong. A lot of people really like him. I kind of said, you know, he's just, he's he's a backup. That's it. But um, clearly the Green Bay Packers see him as, as a legitimate legitimate player. Not good enough to not go out and get a bunch of safeties, but, um, you know, good enough to at least put above Josh Jones and, and be that number three guy. Uh, and as far as the, the roster construction, that is, first of all, how it is now, which is to be expected. I know Rashawn Gary, you know, why isn't he? Well, he's, he's a rookie. Give him some time. Um, and this is also just sort of the base, right? Base 3-4 defense is going to be your three defensive linemen, which is going to be Montrevious, Kenny, and Dean. I don't really expect that to change in terms of, of you know, as far as ranking, but it, it gets so muddled when you when you do it this way, especially on defense, because there's so much rotation. I would guess snap counts are even going to rotate, depending on the opponent and everything else. Kind of like when I talked about yesterday with uh, Mike Daniels and trying to demonstrate how he wasn't getting as many snaps. But then, like, in week two, he did have a lot of snaps. But then in week three, he didn't have a lot of snaps. You know, we know Kenny Clark is going to get a lot every single week. Dean Lowry is probably going to get a decent amount, um, but I think there's going to be some rotate. There's going to be a lot of rotation. You know, Dean's going to go out and and Looney's going to come in, and Montrevious is going to go out and Gary's going to come in, and then Gary's going to slide to outside, and Zadarius is going to go inside, and it's just you know Kingsley's going to be in. When you look at how many players there are, and and how much you want to incorporate, like how are we going to get Kingsley on on the line? 
You know, there's always a situation where, man, I don't want to sit Rashawn Gary, but we have to. I don't want to take Preston off the field, but man, we we gotta get uh, we gotta get Zadarius and Gary out there at outside linebacker once in a while. So it, it kind of when you look at it from that standpoint, it's like you know can kind of understand the Mike Daniels thing even more. There's so much talent that you want on the field all the time, and it's just going to be a constant battle of why in the world does this guy on the bench get on the field? But um, so yeah, so that that's the current you know in a base three four with three down linemen and and two outside linebackers. It's Dean, Kenny Clark, Montrevious, and then outside you got Preston and Zadarius with Blake and Oren. But there's going to be rotation. It's going to be you know Blake and Crawford. It's going to be Zadarius and and Gary. It's going to be uh, Preston, Zadarius, and Gary with Montravius out. I mean, it's going to be all kinds of crazy stuff. So that that doesn't super matter. We we know who's going to be playing. We know Dean's going to make it. Kenny, Montravius, Gary, Preston, Zadarius, Fackrell, um, Kingsley, Kiki, Tyler Lancaster, probably James Looney. We know these guys are going to make it. We know they're all going to play. It's just a matter of how many snaps, and that's going to change on a on a given week. So. You know, it's, it's, there's not a huge even amount of competition other than the guys further down the roster that, again, I don't super care. And I know that sounds cold, and I, I, I'm rooting for everybody. I wish we had room for everybody, and I'm excited about some of the guys that are further down the depth chart that are going to really shine and, and all that stuff. I'm just talking big picture right now. Big picture, we have guys, we have the talent, they're healthy, they're growing, they're learning. And if, if the biggest storyline that I'm supposed to focus on is... You know, is Eric Cotton going to get mixed in along the defensive line? What, what implications does that have for, for the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl? You know, is is Manny Wilkins going to make the, the team? You know, maybe, maybe Tim Boyle and Manny Wilkins are, are they move up and Deshaun Kaiser's out. I, I, may, I, don't, I, I don't care, man. And I, I know this is the time of year to get excited about that, but, man, I'm, I'm focused on the season. I'm, I'm ready to go win some games. I'm ready to, to start making a run at the playoffs. I'm ready to, to see this team at its full potential. And that comes down to Aaron Rodgers and LaFleur and, and Devontae Adams and, and Aaron Jones and, and Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark and Adrian Amos and, and Darnell Savage. You know, I, I want to see Crosby and, and Scott. I want to see Trevor Davis. Now, I want to, I want to see high performance players out there performing highly, winning, succeeding, dominating. Is Gerhard, Gerhard De Beer going to make the 53? Man, if I have to care, and again, I, I know how this sounds, but please don't take it that way. I'm, I'm just saying if, if we get to the point where we have to worry about Gerhard playing tackle for the Packers or whatever, things went awry very quickly. It's not a good situation. And, 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 and depth does matter for those reasons. I'm just saying at this point in time, we, we got bigger stuff to worry about, bigger stuff to be excited about. And, and when the time comes for cutdowns, that will be an obsession. And you're going to be getting my 53 roster prediction and all that stuff. Probably going to get several. I don't know. We're going to talk about it a lot when the time comes. But I mean, I'm, I'm just hungry, man. I'm, I'm, I'm not here for the appetizers. I'm here for the steak. And I, th- I think in the past you do focus on the appetizers a lot because it was, it was you know, we know the, it's the same stuff over and over again. Same everything. Nothing much to talk about. I there, There's a lot going on this year, and I, I just want to get into it. Like, no, I don't want the bread. Get it out of here. Just bring me my steak. It's like you, you ever go to one of those Brazilian steakhouses, and you sit down, and they're like, oh, head over to the salad bar. And then after you have your salad bar, here's a little thing you can flip over to tell us to bring steak. And you just look at them with disdain because he even said the word salad at a steakhouse and all you can eat steakhouse 
bring me steak before I put you on a skewer, sir. A little bit of that pineapple, too. That stuff is good. I just, I just, I just want that meat, man. I'm excited to see it. I'm, and I'm excited to hear more, you know. Let's, I, what, what, get Josh, get Josh Jackson out there. Man, that Jackson Jones thing is still messing with me. Where does he slot in? You know, I, I, I don't know. I just, I need more. Give me more. Fortunately for all of us, more is coming. So anyways, that, that, that's just sort of the baseline. There, there's a lot of little tidbits and I can go through, I saved a billion notes, touchdown and interception and this and that, and it's all cool and it's all great. And, you know, as we, the, the big picture stuff starts to simmer and you get tired of me talking about tempo and, and all that kind of stuff, we'll, we'll get into, you know, hey, this guy's actually kind of having a hard time. It's been five in a row days of him not doing well or, you know, hey, Tail Redding is, I know I talk trash for like a day, but guy might be kind of legit. You know, we'll, we'll get there, but um, today it's, it's big picture stuff. So, anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Friday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.